Hi, I am Petya Rasheva. I am on the Couch Matters podcast today. When you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten. Cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Hello, Petya. Good morning or good evening or good afternoon. We'll find out in a moment. I already know where you are, so for me, it's not a surprise anymore. Uh, but still, nonetheless, what I would like to ask you and what I already realized is that I put the, the emphasis on your last name wrong when we were doing the pre-recording um, chat as such. So the emphasis is on the first uh, first part of Rasheva, correct? That's Rasheva, yes, correct. Good. Okay, well, it's as if I listen to this, it, it doesn't sound like a Dutch name or either a French name. So tell us a little bit about um, yourself in terms of, uh, well, first of all, where are you? Um, and then the audience might be interested in what time or what time zone you are, where are you? And a little bit about your, your background and also your so-called personal frame or cultural frame of reference. In other words, um, how what other cultures have you worked with or lived in? So go ahead. I'm going to make some coffee in the meantime because this is a long question for you to answer. Thank you, Chris. I am in Mongolia now. I have been here for a year and a half already. Uh, and, then, and it is uh, a good night. It's uh, 9 p.m. Uh-huh. now in Mongolia. And today has been unusually warm day. It is uh, only minus 5 degrees. Uh, it's end of February. Let me say that three, four weeks ago, we had minus 41 Celsius in daytime. Yes. Charming. So, with regards to my... Oh. Yes. Go on, go on. My name, Rasheva. I'm from Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have been uh, lucky enough to work and live in uh, nine countries on four continents so far. Uh, I have spent a lot of time in South America. I lived in, in Chile, in Brazil, uh, Uruguay, Peru, Colombia. I was in Panama. Uh, traveled a lot as well for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in, in Canada, in Bulgaria, of course, my, my country. And uh, I am now in, in Mongolia. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. For the for the sake of of being complete, the recording date for this podcast and videocast is February twenty three, and the time at this moment from my site, which is Paris, is um, well about ten minutes past two o'clock in the afternoon. So there's quite some time difference between um, between you and I. The the first thing that comes up because I had you mentioned the names already in, of the countries that you lived in. Does that mean you also speak Spanish then, having been there in many oh, of yeah. the Spanish-speaking yeah. countries? You do. Yeah, I, I I'm fluent in Spanish. I'm I'm fluent in Portuguese. Uh, 
I speak Russian as well, Bulgarian, my, my language, English, obviously. I used to speak French. Um, not sure that I speak it anymore. Uh -huh. uh, and I would say I can also make myself understood in, in um, Italian and in, in Serbian. Yes. Okay. All right. That's, that's impressive. And also in terms of the, uh, of the history in terms, what is the, in which country did you live the longest other than Bulgaria? I mean, that's your home country. That's where you were born, evidently. Which country did you live the longest and which country did you live the shortest, if you want? Yeah, the longest uh, that that was in Brazil. I spent many years in Brazil. Mm -hmm. I I went there for work. Then I, at the time I was living in Chile. Uh, then I went back to Chile, and there was another opportunity to to go to Brazil. I loved Brazil. I had so many friends there. So I I returned to Brazil, and um, I think I spent perhaps eight years or more in total in the country i i lived there i i got a house i moved to a small village after the work was over uh and um i i had the brazilian um many 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 friends mm -hmm. uh, it was it was amazing experience yes i i, I, I still imagine. i still go back uh, regularly you know, every every uh, two three years uh -huh. to visit friends. Okay, if I if I if I hear if I if I listen to your history, you must have started when you were twelve or something. If you add all these oh, years no. up, <laughs> no, no. Um, well, thank you, but I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> I won't ask your age. No but worry. I, I moved uh, for work to Chile uh, when I was 24 and uh, it was so amazing. It was an amazing opportunity and it was, I got the invitation to go and work there and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Chile and I'm going to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is how my, my international path started. Okay. Um, to, to that extent, I have one question leads from me to the other question. As I told you in the beginning, I hardly prepare anything for, for an interview like this, um, just because I like to go with the flow. So there, the two questions are, in terms of the countries that you lived in, you grew up in Bulgaria. I, I guess you must have gone to school there, uh, most likely being raised or by people from Bulgaria, your parents if, or other people. So that, that Bulgarian culture, whatever that may be, is instilled in you to some extent, right? And then you move out of the country for the first time. Where did you encounter the biggest cultural differences? Either big, I'm, I'm thinking, maybe rephrasing my question, in terms of encounter the biggest cultural differences, or um, which country did you find hardest to get a foot on the ground, to get some, to some extent adjusted? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm quite adaptive, I would say. And then with every new country that you move in uh, and you get in touch with the local culture, your your mind, your horizon expands, right? So then uh, moving to a new place actually uh, makes you more and more open every time. You're not the same person anymore. You, with, with the experience, with, with immersing yourself in the different countries, mm -hmm. in the different cultures, you become much more tolerant. 
and uh, you you learn actually in this in this journey that your way and your opinions uh, and and your behaviors are not necessarily better. There is no good and bad, no better and worse uh, as soon as cultural within the cultural diversity topic. It is just a different way, one of the many ways. Okay. But I would say, if I, if, I, if I need to be specific, I would say that uh, um, after spending many years in South America and Brazil, I, I, I moved to Canada for work. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from that background, myself, Eastern European, uh, spending also uh, many years in another, let's say, or oh, even more, uh, open culture where you you make uh, friends easily. Uh, it's the social the social uh, life is 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 quite active at the personal level. I mean, it's it's relatively easy to connect to people. So moving to Canada, uh, I did feel lonely. I shall say that uh, because um, because uh, in, in Canada. Um, personal relationships, they take time to develop, which is not a bad thing. Once again, it is just a different, a different thing. It's a different way how people relate to each other. So that was, I remember that was a bit of a challenge. And also I was by myself. So I thought, well, if you, if you move to to Canada, uh, it will be much better if you go with your family. With, with your partner or, yeah, I would say family rather than friends, because then you bring your own little uh, nuclear into the new, uh-huh. into the new country and you will not feel that much that uh, solitude. Yeah. That it's, I felt. You're, you're, you're bringing your social network, your social safety net with you in a way. It's an interesting this, the description that you, that you mentioned indeed, because I would, I mean, coming from Bulgaria and having spent some time in, in Latin America, which, which are the whole of Latin America, including Bulgaria, although not the Latin country, are at least collectivistic societies. So your circle is generally bigger. And Canada being one of the more individualistic countries besides the United States. Um, indeed, that's, it's a very logical experience to be, to feel isolated if you don't have that social network, right? Or that social safety net. Um, so we're edging towards slowly. I, I wouldn't say isolated. I wouldn't say isolated. I was not isolated. It was just the uh, the let's say the social connection was different. Yeah. Uh, it was not what I was I was used at. It's it's it takes more time to to make friends, for example. While in Brazil, you meet somebody today. And then tomorrow, already he's your friend. You go out for coffee or he invites you to, to your house or go out for dinner, lunch, to the shop, to the cinema, whatever. It's a question of sometimes hours to make friends. Yeah. While in Canada is different. And it is also defined, well, first the Anglo-Saxon culture, but it's not only that because um, um, culture is something that's defined in centuries. It's not only how your parents raised you, it's not only what you learned in school, how you interacted with, with your friends and, and 
and uh, in your life, right? It is also what happened to your nation over the past millenniums. What is the weather? What is the geography? Like, was your country in constant wars over the last 2000 years? Mm -hmm. uh, what were, what is it, how cold is in your country? Everybody, I guess, have observed that people coming from, from warmer client, uh, climate, from warmer weather, are also more, more open, more extrovert, easy to connect. Uh, more emotional, perhaps, while people coming from colder weather are a little bit more restricted, a little bit or more, uh, or a lot more restricted and uh, also more restrained in their interaction with each other. So that's part of it as well. Canada is a cold weather country, and this defines culturally the people. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't only define but it will have an influence on, on the total aspect that defines, that defines in the end, that defines a culture. Uh, we're edging slowly towards the, the topic of culture. Um, and what I would like to know in, the, in two cases, what brought you to Chile and what brings you at this moment uh, being in, in Mongolia? Work and work. I work in mining and mining projects and uh, there are new developments all over the world. Uh, mining is huge in, in South America. Uh, and uh, also, there is a very big development in, in Mongolia as well. Yeah, so it is okay. it is work. And, and I presume that you're not a person that goes down into the mines? Or, I don't know, it's an <laughs> assumption, and that's not always good. No, 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 no. So what, what, what is it but to do then? I, I am a contracts manager. Okay, all right, cool. Well, okay. At least we know what brought you to Chile and what possibly brought you to uh, brought you to other countries. And now, in um, in Mongolia, is are you in the capital Ulaanbaatar? I am at uh, the capital, yes, Ulaanbaatar. Okay. Now, in the in the introduction that you first when you mailed me uh, or messaged me that you would like to to be on the Culture Matters podcast. You said you quote, and I quote. I'm quoting what you what you wrote down. Cultural cultural differences matter. They can make or break you. Can you elaborate on what? Because you didn't elaborate in, in the message. Can you elaborate on that? How how do cultural differences make make or break you? Well, when for example, when you move for, for, for work, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Many times people, people tend to, to just bring the same mold that has been successful in, in their home country and try to impose it to the new reality, to the new environment, do the things in the same way, sometimes with the same team of people. Just, just take this from there and put it here. And it's not always a good recipe because... Um, in in um, multicultural environment, right, or in, in foreign country, for mm -hmm. example, in in our projects, normally on a project you you have like twenty nationalities, mm -hmm. and it's quite complex to to navigate these waters because first you need to deal with your own cultural background, with your own attitudes and perhaps prejudices and perhaps inhibitions. Second, you need to deal with your team, with the people with 
from all these 20 countries or so. And many of their behavior and their attitude is also culturally defined. And then you need to lead with the local people from the host country. And that is the majority of everybody you're going to meet because it's not only the, 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 the local teammates, but it is the contractors, it is the suppliers, it is all the stakeholders, governments, agencies, etc., etc. So it, it is quite complex. And, and honestly, uh, just taking a mold of something that worked elsewhere and putting it in the, in the new country without uh, considering what are the what 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 are the local the local characteristics mm-hmm. uh, is a recipe for failure yeah in other words what you're saying one, you one, one country you cannot mm-hmm. necessarily export to another co- country what this blue blueprint doesn't work on on in this situation well a little example is authority right so uh in the Western countries, normally authority come invested in the role. Mm-hmm. While in the East, it's not necessarily that. It is your status. And in some countries, it's your age that gives you the, the, the authority. So, um, for example, in Mongolia, age is a very important trait. So the people, the most important people in the room whose opinion matters the most is not the highest ranked. It is not necessarily uh, the person with with the most important role, Mm -hmm. but is the oldest person in the room. Yeah, it's uh, as I usually tend to say, people with gray hair or no hair. They tend to be the highest in the hierarchy, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you, Not I everywhere, your, but I would say in the East, yes. Yeah, 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 and of course, that's in countries like India and I guess China and Mongolia. You don't have to. You don't have to be the smartest person to have the biggest status or the, the or the highest in in or at least perceived hierarchy. Um, I read in your in your LinkedIn profile, and again, I'm quoting here um, that you are a Stanford. GSB, no idea what that means, and a procurement and contract manager for a large CAPEX or CAPEX. 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 Okay, fair enough. And mega projects in mining and infrastructure. Uh, that seems to be like a mouthful what you what you have there. Uh, so, what does that mean for say the mortals um, among us, the normal people? Well. Um... Stanford GSD, that's, as people who know, Stanford uh, University, the Graduate School of Business. Mm-hmm. I have, um, uh, I am I am a participant in the LEAD program, which is the flagship program of, of the Stanford. Okay. And honestly, it's been quite an eye-opener. I am so happy that I took this, uh, this opportunity. Uh, I took it as a, um, as a, um, self-enhancement uh, step, let's say. 
uh, and um, yes, I, I I'm just I'm just amazed from from everything that that uh, that I have learned and the depth of of the program. Was that was that physically in uh, in, uh, in California, in Palo Alto, in the Stanford uh, campus there? No, no, it's an online program, and uh, we have participants from all over the world. Take a globe, turn it, and just pick a place, and we're going to have a person from that country. Okay. We have participants from, from all industries. We have participants from, from all ages. It's uh, very enriching. It's, okay. it's an amazing experience. And uh, CAPEX, what does that mean? CAPEX, capital yeah, expenditure. CAPEX. <laughs> okay. So basically, know. these yes, yes, uh, these are these are projects or new developments uh, in mining and infrastructure that cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The project I've been working uh, for they cost let's say from two hundred uh, two hundred million to seven billion um, dollars. Dollars, yeah, not in Colombian pesos because that's a, that's that's like, no. like two dollars or something. Um, so, th- coming fr- with the with the cultural experience that you have, or say the international experience, because international experience doesn't always equal cultural experience. Um, and with your say Bulgarian upbringing, to how do you adapt yourself to Mongolian culture, and to what extent is that different? Is that very similar to? Chinese culture, which would be a logical thought process, or is that a total misstep? It's not that similar to Chinese and not similar at all to the Bulgarian. It's it's an Asian country. It's an Asian culture, yes. But the, um, Mongolians, they are they are very proud people. You know, the Chinggis Khan is, is Mongolian. Uh, Achila uh, comes from these parts of the world as well. Uh, so historically, they've got uh, uh, great uh, uh, warriors that have conquered uh, the half of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Mongolians are nomads traditionally. Mm, in the past uh, they Decades, people have started moving to the to the city, uh, but uh, there are still many uh, which which are nomads um, that that uh, live in the steppes, uh, uh, following the the old uh, ways. Now, something specific about Mongolia is that it has been in the uh, Soviet sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for for since the the second world war uh, mostly more or less uh, until uh, late 90s and uh, uh, it was a communist uh, country during that time mm-hmm. so perhaps that put me in a position to be better uh, to be able to better connect with the locals uh, than than my peers for example who came from australia Mm-hmm. or from um, from other other parties uh, of the yeah. West, uh, uh, Canada, etc. Because Bulgaria also used to be a communist country in my childhood. Uh, hence, uh, I could see things that, that I would remember um, 
from 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 my childhood uh, um, or from the tr transition period that that we experienced as well uh, in Bulgaria, and I could relate um, with with the Mongolian people. Okay, all right. That, because of that, um, I was. And also, also, I don't speak. I don't speak uh, uh, Mongolian. I I did learn uh, some phrases, uh, but I I'm fluent in Russian. And many of the Mongolian people, like the people at the office, would speak English. But on the streets, many of the Mongolians, especially older people, would speak uh, would know some Russian, uh -huh. which gave me the liberty to to be able to to connect with uh, uh with the common people not sure. not only limited to the people in the office that were english speaking yeah <clears throat> okay well that's that's nicely expressed thank you for that um i i want to take a step back um and ask you uh, looking at your profession if you if you look at what's going on in terms of, of global or global whatever globalization or or you're in mining, and mining is not necessarily, as in oil um, digging, for instance, is not seen as necessarily a very green process, so to speak. And I'm making air quotes here. We're using the word green. Uh, is that Does that mean that there will not be a future for you? Uh, you could be single or could be plural? Well, no, because all the new technologies, uh, everything that, that's in your smartphone, in the electric vehicles, in the spaceship, everything is mined. And uh, uh, even, even the search for, for example, lithium. Lithium is essential for the electric vehicles and, and for the batteries. Mm -hmm. So if the lithium is not mined and processed, basically there will be no electric vehicles. Uh, copper is, is also highly essential for, for everything that has to do with the telecommunication industry and not mm -hmm. only. Uh, these materials are, are required for, for to bring electricity to people. In the world, there are parts of the world where still uh, electricity is still to reach. Mm -hmm. So you need metals and you need minerals to, in order, uh, you know, the, the the modern economy to to function. Now. There is, uh, for example, the coal industry. Perhaps that that type of mining uh, would be diminishing uh, over the uh, the next decades mm -hmm. and uh, give uh, uh, give it space to to clean energies, to to water, to to nuclear, to wind, to geothermal. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, we cannot do it without the, the metals, metals are essential. And the question uh, is, uh, for me, at least personally, is not uh, if, the question is how. How to do it in, in more responsible ways, because there are ways and ways, right? Sure. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how to, to do mining uh, in, in um, more responsible way and many steps are taken in, in in that direction recently so there is movement there on that on that field in that field as well huge huge i have seen it in my professional uh, experience which mm -hmm. is uh, you know 20 something years 
okay. I have I have seen many changes. Okay, well that's already. good. Then. That's that's that. I guess that's a good development. Um, uh, Petya, what is what will be your next challenge after Mongolia, if you have any any left? I would love to to move closer to home. So perhaps uh, uh, this is where I will be. I will be heading next. Uh, I have spent so many years abroad that uh, nowadays every moment with the family is treasured. I can imagine. Yes, I can imagine. Okay, all right. Listen, I'm looking at the time here, um, and I used to keep the uh, the, the podcast and video cast. Uh, to around um, 30 minutes, uh, depends a little bit, around that time. So I'm going to move to my last two questions, which is my one but last question is, can you give us, the audience, uh, some three tips that you might have in order for us to become more culturally competent? Well, the first one and the most important is actually the, the obvious one. Learn the language. Even if you are not good at it, even if you just learn a little bit that will open you many doors and that will open people's hearts because they will respect you for trying yeah uh, a second tip yeah go ahead <laughs> a second tip that that i can i can give is uh, uh always remember that you are a guest and respect your hosts it's the same like going to a friend of mine recently. Uh, we were talking about it, this, and he said it's, it's the same like going to somebody's house. Yeah. When you go to somebody's house, you respect your host. You going be. to a foreign country is, is the same. You are not superior to the local people. You're just different. Okay. Excellent. Good one. Number three? Number three. What would number three be? Engage. Okay. Befriend the people, eat the food, experience the lifestyle, listen to the music. Okay. What's a typical dinner you had tonight? I'm going to make myself, myself a salad. A salad. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. That'll work for sure. Engage, befriend uh, people, experiment, listen to the music. Um, yeah. Okay. All good. Good stuff. If, uh, Petya, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, uh, my name is Petya Rasheva. Uh, that's my, my, my uh, LinkedIn uh, page as well. So please go ahead, reach out. I'd love to meet you. All right. That'll be in the show notes that will come up. Um, and I thank you so much for taking the time in your almost late evening. Uh, so I hope you enjoy your salad and your dinner. And I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. It was lovely being here. Goodbye. Good. Bye. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.